Hey everyone, are you ready to revamp your summer wardrobe so you're ready for all the sunny days ahead? Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect summer wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. Women always want to feel fresh and confident in the latest trends, but it's not sustainable nor healthy to shop all the time. The clutter that collects in my closet closet and the waste I create with nonstop shopping are no bueno. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a dress for a black tie event, you will have everything you need to look and feel great without the weight of an overcrowded closet and all that wasted money and materials that come with it. Trust me, Marie Kondo and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. On today's episode of The Heal Podcast, I speak to Light Watkins, the man who taught me transcendental meditation in 2007, or 14 years ago. Meditation changed my life, people. I would definitely be a different human, much more stressed physically and mentally in much worse condition had I not developed this practice and relied on this beautiful tool that I use every day. If you think about it, we are inundated with information. We have our smartphones and the notifications pinging us every moment. We've got a 24-hour news cycle. We've got Twitter, which just blows up our phone anytime something in the world happens. We are inundated with information, and most of that information is negative disempowering, and instills fear in us. So 
since we haven't evolved quickly enough to be able to process all of this information, I highly recommend meditation as a tool. Turn within, close your eyes, cut off all of that outside external noise and negative stimulation. Turn within, deepen your breath, reconnect to yourself and quiet your mind so that that small, still, powerful inner voice of truth, your soul's guidance, your inner GPS, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, God, for that voice, the true voice to come through and guide you. That is meditation for me. It's practical, it's spiritual, and it's beautiful. And I'm so grateful to Light for teaching me Transcendental Meditation so many years ago. We have a lot of fun in this conversation. We talk about turning our FOMO into JOMO, the joy of missing out, something I need to work harder on. And we talk about his new life of minimalism. And he's traveling around with nothing more than the possessions he can fit in a backpack. He's amazing. And let's dive in to a little meditation and inspiration. All right, so I'm here with Light Watkins, who is my meditation teacher. He taught me transcendental meditation. Um, he is a speaker on happiness, inspiration, and meditation, obviously. He's the author of two bestsellers, The Inner Gym and Bliss More, and he has a new book just came out called Knowing Where to Look. He's the host of the popular wellness podcast At the End of the Tunnel, where he interviews philanthropists and creatives that dedicate their lives to uplifting humanity. Welcome to the show, Light. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's yeah. good to see you again. So good to see you. Yeah. yeah. 2007. 2007. You were my yoga teacher at Equinox. Mm -hmm. And then you said, mm -hmm. hey, I'm teaching a meditation course. Yep. I just graduated from my meditation teacher training in India and... So I had to leave my teaching for about three months. And then I came back and I started teaching in West Hollywood. And then I think you learned in Santa Monica. I was yeah. like renting some space out of some therapist's office. Exactly. We had to walk <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> and so here we are. Today. Yeah, but it was so cool. And, I, and we'll start with this because meditation back then was not mainstream as no. it is today. Now no. there's apps for that. Everything, videos. There wasn't even YouTube back then. Yeah, it's crazy. Or so, smartphones. I don't even think. I think yeah, it's no, iPods. Real, no, we had Blackberries and iPods. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But I remember, you know, there was a little bit of like, this is so strange because you had just gotten back to India and part of the, it was a four-day course, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. and you have to offer one week of your earnings mm -hmm. to the, the guru. And you were working as a guest fit model. I was. <laughs> so my my income had recently increased tremendously. And I yeah. was like, one week of my earnings, what the heck? Like that's a lot of money. Is this guy like a con man? No, uh -huh. I didn't I didn't really think that. But you know, it, I thought that was really cool because it is it's just a relative scale for whatever yeah. anybody can offer. And it is it helps you to commit mm -hmm. when you invest mm -hmm. in the learning. So talk a little bit about what you've learned because I learned so much about the meaning and the benefits of, of meditation, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And that, I think, plus the investment and the four days of repetitive training um, where we got deeper and deeper, that really allowed it to stick. 
to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that really attracted me to the learn the training. When I met my teachers, he said, you know, come tomorrow with some fruits and flowers if you're interested. And by the way, bring a week's worth of your salary, whatever that is. And I was a brand new yoga teacher at the time, 2003. And so I wasn't really making a lot of money at all. And I could have easily justified, you know, paying a couple hundred bucks. And But I thought to myself, this is a wonderful opportunity to really claim what I want to do, what I want to earn, what I want to give. And so I went to my bank account and I looked at, you know, how you can like get a balance statement before you pull any money out in the ATM machine. So I got my balance sheet and it said something like $900. And I thought, okay, hmm. And I ended up going with $400, (laughs) which was half my net worth at the time. (laughs) That's huge. (laughs) Right. So again, it was a lot of money. You know, I was in my late 20s and changing careers. I had been modeling for several years in New York. And that just, you know, the reason I stopped was because it wasn't, it was declining. So I was at a crossroads. And that was really the sort of gateway to this new lifestyle of really listening to your heart, following your heart. And my heart told me, you know, pull out half of it and give it to the guy, the guru. And I actually wrote about this in the book, but I talked about how, you know, I could have easily justified not doing that. And then 20 years later, we could be talking about a story of how I saved $400 20 years ago (laughs) and how savvy I am, you know, financially. (laughs) But instead, I've had an opportunity to work with people such as yourself and thousands of other people and positively impact lives all over the world and write books on meditation and inspiration. All of that because I took that leap of faith on that fateful day. And um, and so it was easily the best $400 I've ever spent. I'm sure you could say the same thing about whatever it was that you spent, 900 or whatever, 1000 I don't remember, but... You know, and that exchange is really important. I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't stick with it long enough is because they don't have an opportunity to really engage in an exchange like that where you have to really go inside of yourself and commit to something, right? And it's not just learning, but it's also committing to investing yourself into the learning. And I think that really does make a difference. It does. And even just the commitment of showing up after I paid the thousand-ish dollars. There was no question you were going to show up. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to get up and go to this office in Santa Monica and find parking and Mm -hmm. walk up the stairs at 7 a.m. for four days in a row. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a very robust social life at the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) that required a lot, but I paid the money, so I was going to do it. And and then it's not just the morning, but it's the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And you get that. It's it's almost like you just imprint this practice from the get-go. It's just, it's brilliant, Mm -hmm. I think. So it's been what fourteen years for you now. Mm-hmm. Fourteen wow. years, and it's and you've been relatively daily. Relatively daily, I wouldn't say that I've I've mixed it up. I've, I have that foundation of transcendental sure. meditation and the mantra, which I think is great. I learned like a primordial meditation from Deepak, Deepak Chopra. Yeah. I do get lazy and listen to a guided meditation. I do Joe Dispenza's meditation, so I mix it up now. But mm-hmm. I think. But you're doing something pretty much I'm every doing day. something every day. And just like you talk about in your book, and this is your experience, like I crave it. Yeah. I can actually, I'm just a much better human when I meditate because it, yeah. it creates space. So I, I'm not at full capacity of stress every day and, and just react, you know, it just right. creates space so I can be more present and respond. Right. And 
I'm still human. So if I got, you know, get knocked off the track by something which inevitably comes up every day in our lives, Mm -hmm. I can come back into awareness and out of reactivity a lot quicker and recover Mm -hmm. quicker. So Mm -hmm. I think to me, I'm just like meditation is my savior. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Beautiful. And along those same lines, you know, because a lot of people say, well, I can't meditate. I can't quiet my mind. And one of the things that stuck with me when you taught meditation, me meditation was it's not about quieting the mind because thoughts are inevitably going to come up. Can you speak a little bit about releasing the expectations or the stress around this Yeah, that's one of the other key benefits of learning with a teacher that actually understands the nature of the mind as as it relates to meditation is that, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions, even with people who guide meditations, that you can let go of thoughts and observe, do all these things, but really it doesn't make a huge indent in your experience unless you understand how to navigate the mind in a way that allows it to become settled. Because really, it's not even the mind that's becoming settled. It's your witness of the mind that's becoming more and more settled. The mind just does what it does, kind of like the ocean is going to be the ocean, right? But you can experience different depths of the ocean that can give you a different quality of awareness. And so when I talk about the mind and meditating with the thoughts and all of that, I kind of equate it to big party bunch of your friends all your friends represent your thoughts and to treat your thoughts treat your mind just like you're at that party and just like if you were at a real party say if it was your birthday and all of your friends came out you would obviously embrace them you would feel great about having them all there all at the same time right you wouldn't want to be at your birthday party by yourself (laughs) (laughs) no you want it to be a huge occasion everyone comes in and so If you can treat your thoughts during your meditation in the same way that you would engage with your real friends at your birthday party, then you might see that your mind can become more settled as a result. So it's the opposite of trying to control and, you know, put a velvet rope in the middle of your own birthday party and saying, you stay over there, you know, only certain thoughts are allowed inside. And that's, that's creates a lot of commotion as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And TM or transcendental meditation, you're given a mantra. Yes. Um, am I correct that the mantra is actually, it's a Sanskrit word, but does it actually mean anything? No, it doesn't. That's one of the reasons why those mantras work in the way that they work is because they don't mean anything. So that's another sort of layer to the practice, but a meaningless sound is inherently more attractive to the mind than a sound with meaning, which is why music has such an effect on us when you hear, you know, Mozart or Beethoven or drum beats or whatever, it it can invoke a shift in your state just from hearing the music. But what does the music mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's just vibrations, it's frequencies. And so somebody worked out thousands of years ago in India that if you experience these particular vibrations in this particular sequence at these particular times in this particular way, while you're meditating, that you can also shift your mood from your own thought of that vibration, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. So I'm sure we'll get back to meditation, but you have this new book called Knowing Where to Look, which is a compilation of your daily inspiration emails that Mm -hmm. I've signed up from day one. Mm -hmm. Um, I find them so (laughs) inspirational, actually. I'm like a total quote junkie Mm -hmm. nerd. And 
I just think, you know, I'm the total person that has the book pile in their bathroom and I just pick up for inspiration while I'm, while I'm in there. Um, so this, sorry to say, it's going to end up in my bathroom. Um, but I encourage, it's so inspiring. And I love that you say it's supposed to be like a magic eight ball where mm. you just, you know, like the things from the eighties or the nineties that you shake mm. up and you ask them a yes or no question and it mm. tells you the answer. So tell us a little bit about your book. And Yeah. So it's a book that is, it's it, the subtitle is 108 daily doses of inspiration. And they, are taken from these this email that I've been sending out every morning since June of 2016. So we're kind of we're coming up on five years of daily inspirational emails, and many of those emails get a really big response, lots of engagement. People reply, "Oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear," and you know the whole gamut. And so. Over the years, I've sort of been keeping track of which ones have been the greatest hits. And then one of my agent said, hey, why don't you, you know, you just did this meditation book. Uh, you've done a happiness book. Why not do an inspiration book? And so I revisited a lot of those emails and I was like, this is really amazing. But how can we make it different or better for people who've already been receiving them? And so we created, I got with an art director, an illustrator, and we created a visual experience that one can engage with, with a lot, a lot of like little Easter eggs and fun things in there where we kind of posterized the daily doses. And so the idea is this is not a book that you would read necessarily from cover to cover. It wasn't arranged like that. It wasn't written like that. It's, it's the experience we've all had back when we used to go to bookstores before the pandemic, where you'd go in, you'd see a book that had a nice cover, you pick it up, and then what do you do? You flip to some random page, you know, just to see what they're talking about. And if it's a cool story or an anecdote, maybe you read more, maybe you buy the book, right? So this is a book full of cool stories and anecdotes. So any page you flip it open to, hopefully will give you some dose of inspiration, which is which is not the answer to whatever you're going through, but it's just a little poke, a little nudge, just saying, you know, maybe look in a different direction, right? So just as an example, if you're going through some sort of relationship woes, or if you're having uh, trouble with committing to something, it may you may read a story about commitment and just get a different perspective on what it means to commit. Right. And because I tell the story here about how commitment is not even really a, tr a proper commitment until the original plan goes out the window. Mm. And I tell the story about how I committed to running up a hill one day, uh, one year, uh, 10 laps every like every other morning or something like that. And how 90 percent of the time I didn't feel like doing it. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, I learned about commitments over that year. And so just sharing like little tips and little wisdom like that so other people can feel like they have a little more support. And it's so cool because, you know, so much of what we see today on Instagram or by influencers, are, we only see this like glossified yeah. perfection. And, and you share these wisdoms and you also share your personal experience, mm -hmm. which is filled with fallacies and mistakes and mm -hmm. And it's so generous of you to share your true stumbles that mm -hmm. got you to this place you are today. That and and the stumbling never stops, right? We're we're evolving. So, like for instance, 
for this whole commitment conversation, you have to be really disciplined. And mm-hmm. you have shared like the committing to running up this super steep hill 10 times and how, mm-hmm. how much resistance came up every day, but you still did it. Or the commitment to write a daily inspirational email for one year. But mm-hmm. so talk to me a little bit about the discipline illusion. Yeah, so the discipline illusion is one that I sent out, and it was the response to a woman who was telling me that she's impressed by how much discipline I have. And I stopped her right away and I said, I don't, you're wrong. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any more discipline than you have, right? What I do have though is I have been very honest with myself about my shortcomings. So then I gave a few examples. Um, such as meditation, eating healthy, um, finishing my book. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, giving up drinking. Yeah, so giving up drinking took me many, many months of, of experimentation with just really cutting out, you know, one type of drink every month and then another type of drink and promising myself that if I wanted to go back to drinking, I would. But, you know, so it, it, it didn't happen overnight. And finishing the book, my first book was self-published, and um, and I it just was dragging on for three and four years, and I finally broke down and said, okay, I need to do something different here, and I wrote out a contract to myself and to a friend, of my, a really good friend of mine, my buddy Drew, and I in the contract it said you will finish your book by such and such date. And it was like three months from that day. And I post, I post dated it for that day. And then I signed it and I wrote out a personal check for $4,000, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And I wrote it to Drew and then I gave him the contract and he signed it. And he, he was, he was signing an obligation to cash that check. If I did not have that book published by that date. And so, of course, there was no way I was not going to do it. Yeah. All the excuses went out the window, <laughs> right? I all of a sudden had all this time to work on it. And so I ended up finishing it. And and so, you know, that wasn't a discipline issue. That was just an excuse issue, yeah. a prioritization issue. With eating healthy, I was saying, you know, I, I if I go to the grocery store and I'm hungry, I know I'm going to fill my shopping cart up with a bunch of stuff I don't want to be eating, but in the short term, it'll, you know, satisfy a craving. So I always try to eat a meal before I go shopping. So just little things like that. Yeah. But they're game changers. But they're game changers. Yeah. So it's really less about discipline and more about just being honest with yourself about where you you're falling short and putting stop gaps in place. Uh, So, I mean, we all need them. And one of the things that jumped out as part of this conversation was you know, talking about we're all busy. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a successful person, life didn't slow no down, down for them, for them to be able to accomplish what they accomplished. Right. They just became more busy. They prioritized their passion as yes. well as on top of the minutia of everyday life that they had to do, yes. whether it's a nine to five job and you wake up two hours early to meditate and write or whatever it is. Right. That's doing it while you're busy. That's that piece in there about yes. that. Yeah. Which is really important also to, to, to communicate is, you know, it's easy to look at someone who's accomplishing a lot of things and just imagine that their, you know, life slowed down for them. And, but for you, it's really fast. But the only difference really 
is that person's just doing it, those extra things while they're super busy and, you know, have a full schedule and all of that. So you're sacrificing something and that, that introduces the whole conversation of the work-life balance, right? Because when you're passionate about something, there's not a lot of balance happening in your life, as you know, mm-hmm. from your documentary and, you know, even from writing books. Like you're, I have another piece in here called uh, FOMO, <laughs> where I talked about having to write New Year's Eve and holidays and birthdays. And like every time you turn around, you're having to dedicate your time to whatever your passion project is. And the FOMO you feel is really an opportunity to, to consciously choose to invest your time into this thing that you are getting fulfillment from mm-hmm. instead of instead of fantasizing about the fulfillment that you're ultimately looking for coming from a party or from whatever you're having to miss out on. So mm-hmm. imagining that the fulfillment of what your passion project is is going to ripple out into the world because you invested the time into doing it now. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really important. And a lot of these principles are really just hey, look, what you are looking, ultimately looking for is right where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You just have to use it differently or look at it differently. Yes. Change your perspective. Change that FOMO into JOMO. JOMO. <laughs> the, the joy, joy of, of missing, missing out. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's so many nuggets in here. I just encourage everybody to pick it up because it's it's things you've heard before, but it, like you said, it's that exact thing that you need yeah. on the day that you flip to that page. For mm-hmm. instance, I'm I've come a long way, but I'm still a people pleaser. I still care. I had to send an email to someone yesterday and I was so worried about their response because I felt like I was disappointing them and I didn't want them to not like me. And it's like such an old story. <laughs> but I love you talk about specifically towards this issue that I have about the donkey. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell, tell the donkey story real quick. <laughs> it's a good little ditty. Or I can tell it if you... The donkey story is a man. This is a classic story, so I didn't I didn't create this one. Yeah. I just told it in my own words. And this book has a portion of those kinds of classical stories that have been told for forever in yoga classes and meditation circles and stuff. And it's a story about the man and the boy riding the donkey in the ta- through the town, and some people start gossiping about them and saying how they shouldn't put all that unnecessary weight on that poor old little donkey. And so the man gets off and the boy rides. And then people start saying, oh, you know, what a shame. That boy's going to make that old man walk like that. And then so the, the boy walks and the man rides. And then they pass some more people who say, oh, my God, can you believe, you know, he makes that little boy walk while he's grown. This grown man is actually on a donkey. And so then they both get off and they pass some people. And the people say, can you believe how stupid they are? Like, they have a donkey to ride. They don't even use it. (laughs) So there's always going to be someone. There's always going to be somebody saying something. And so ultimately, you just have to do what feels right to you. Yeah, exactly. It's called what feels right. I love that. And then you go on to say, I just, we can, I'm not going to talk about all your ditties in the book, but you say something, you will never be criticized by people who are doing more than you, Mm -hmm. only by those doing less. And Mm -hmm. Brene Brown talks about that. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't, don't criticize me unless you're in the ring Mm -hmm. getting beat up just like me, you know? Uh, So I love that. So let's pivot to your new commitment, Mm -hmm. which you are in (laughs) Los Angeles sitting in my studio right now, but Mm -hmm. um, you've been living in Mexico City. Yes. You are nomading it right now. Yes. How 
tell us what you're doing and how you were inspired to give up all your earthly possessions and well, it's interesting because the book actually opens with that story of in 2018, when I was 45, I decided to sell off all of my possessions, no storage room, nothing. So get rid of journals that I've been carrying around for years and scrapbooks and yearbooks and you know all my photos, got rid of all of that and anything that didn't fit into a backpack and to start living remote, you know, just kind of mobile, mobile existence, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Um, at the time I was leading trainings in between London, New York, Los Angeles. And these are places that I just personally wanted to go. So it's not like people were sitting for me and paying for my expenses and I was paying for everything, but I was able to sort of make it work, you know, and teach people in all of those places and do retreats so because i've you know i've been teaching meditation for 15 years at this point so you know i had established a name for myself and but yeah i was living with a capsule wardrobe and i am living with a capsule wardrobe and what i talked about in the, in the opening chapter of the book was how i was allowing myself to be guided by inspiration but i made a distinction in saying that 2018 was not my first time doing that. I'd actually done that a couple of times before. And the very first time I did it, I was living in Chicago at the time. I was just out of college and I had my first real, quote unquote, real job. And it only lasted about three months, not because I got fired, but because I realized that it just wasn't where I saw myself for that point in time. Like it was great. I was working in advertising in the creative department. But when I looked around the office at the people who had kind of risen up to the top, I didn't really feel like that's the track I wanted to go on. Like they didn't have that sense of fulfillment that I, I didn't even have language for it. I just knew it wasn't a match. Mm -hmm. And something inside of me said, you know, you should quit this and just go out and explore the world. So I did. And I had an inspiration to go to Paris of all places. It was just, I don't know why, I just thought Paris was this, I don't know, romantic, interesting place. I didn't know anybody there, by the way, and didn't speak the language. And uh, and I didn't have a lot of money either because I was, it, my first three months was basically a trial period. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up quitting that job with maybe like less than a thousand dollars in my account. And so I sold all my stuff that I had. And most of that was like college stuff and had a little duffel bag of clothes and got a one-way ticket to Paris. And long story short, ended up in Paris on the first day and ended up meeting some old friends of mine from college who connected me with this whole group of people. And the way it worked out was just very coincidental. It was very, very, it was like almost un unbelievable. Yeah, like lots you put of synchronicities. It a, it was, yeah, it, if you put it in a script, people would think, oh, this is not, this is, this it felt very me. Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> because it does some, everything just unfolded just really beautifully unfolded for you. Beautifully, yeah. And it was like so many signs that, okay, you did what you were supposed to do. So once I had that experience, and then I repeated that experience a few more times over the years, and it's almost as miraculous. You know, something happened. And I was like, wow, okay, so I'm onto something here. You know, make fewer plans and trust your heart more. 
and just see what happens, right? And so by 2018, I was just like, okay, I know I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, I got to put my 30-day notice in. I got to get rid of my lease, my car lease. <laughs> it's like more like logistical. It wasn't, yeah. I wasn't afraid of doing it. It was just more about organizing because I had accumulated a lot of stuff yeah. at that point in my life. 23 years later. So, yeah. So it's the, the bottom line, though, is, is to always leave a little wiggle room for some inspiration in whatever you're doing because mm-hmm. you just never know when it's going to hit you. And when it does hit you, your life is going to always be better off if you follow it. And here's the distinction because a lot of times people say, well, I don't know if, if, if what I'm hearing is the voice of inspiration or if it's my ego or if it's my, you know, someone. there's so many voices inside, mm-hmm. right? For all of us. Yeah. There's the negativity voices. There's the like hater voice, the inner fear. hater, fear, trauma, pain, intuition. social conditioning, yeah. all that stuff. And then you have your intuition and your heart guidance and all of that. And so. Yeah. How do we translate? The way you know you're hearing the voice of inspiration, which I put in, it's like an umbrella category of your heart, your inner guidance and all that. It's pushing you in a direction that is going to at some point require a leap of faith, which means you will not know how it's going to turn out. Mm. So it's like that Joseph Campbell quote, you know, if you know what your path is, then that's not your path. Because someone else already said Yeah, that. you're basically, you've adopted somebody else's path as your path, mm. but that's not your path. Your path, you don't know what's around the corner. You have no idea. All you know is that you have this strong urge to go around the corner and check it out, see what's happening over there. And uh, you can come across, you know, people who are not going to like what you're doing very much. Likely that will be the case, right? And that's not a sign that it's not meant to be. That is a sign that you are square right in the middle of your path. Mm-hmm. That's it. So get comfortable. And per- perhaps the ones that aren't <laughs> liking what you're doing is they're, you're triggering their own well, that's that's your obstacle, as Ryan Holiday calls it. That's your obstacle that you get to move through. That's your cocoon that you get to move through to become the butterfly of your life, of your mm-hmm. path, of your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, other people are going to look at you and they're going to adopt your path as their path, <laughs> right? And that gets them out of the status quo until they realize the same thing you had to realize, which is no one can tell you what your path is. Your path is really only... It can only can be known from within on yeah. a moment-to-moment basis. So it's really important to have a sense of present moment awareness, which is where meditation ties in through all of these doses, right? Some more obvious than others, but it's the through line is that you have to be present with what's happening inside. And because that's your, your clearest guidance mm-hmm. is what you feel inside. So good. Yes, meditation helps to quiet a lot of that noise so that your intuition, your energy PS, your higher Mm -hmm. self can speak a little louder and clearly. I love that you talked about the butterfly in the cocoon, one of my favorite metaphors, that pressure, that darkness, that period that you have to go through, or it's alchemy, right? It's the crucible. It takes heat to turn lead into gold. And so it's great for someone to, you know, look up to that person that you, you know, the Tony Robbins or the Light Watkins or whoever, mm-hmm. you, you know, Oprah, whatever, whoever inspires you because they've, they've paved their own path through the fear. Sure. Um, but then you have to eventually go into that fear that you, 
that, that cave that you fear entering, you know? Yeah, and Oprah said something. I actually wrote a dose about this once. Um, it was really profound. She said, look, if, if I had known how being myself was going to be the ultimate key to my success, I would have been myself a long time ago. Uh, and that's what she's referring to, you know? Yes. Like the thing that we hide because we are ashamed of what, whatever's going on with us, that's your key. No one else has a copy of that key. That's your key to your path and your purpose. Oh my gosh, and, yes. And much of the developmental phase of life is really just getting comfortable with knowing that this is going to be something I'm going to use to give my special gift to the world. Yes. Right? It's my life, my lived experience through depression, through anxiety, through healing myself, through you know, all these things, which is what your documentary is essentially about, is people who've kind of converted their worst time into their greatest triumph. Yeah, and that's a lot of people, once they're through that heat and they have healed, but yeah. went through a lot of fear right. and change and transformation to get there, you know, they all say it's their greatest gift, their wake-up call, whatever. 100%. They'd never change. They wouldn't change anything. I saw a TED Talk once. I can't remember the woman's name, but she had her legs amputated when she was a kid. And she now travels around the world and she gives all these motivational talks and inspires millions of people. And she said in her talk, somebody, a reporter asked her at the end if she could choose to have her legs, but none of the impact that she's had. Or stay in her current situation and have all that impact, what would she choose? And she had to really think about it. And she said, I would choose to be in my current situation. I would choose to not have my legs again, yeah. which is incredible. Because it's something about that purpose that makes yeah, us come alive, you know, does. and it and comes it back to service. anything about our individuality. Yes. Right. Uh, exactly. There's so many different ways you say this in the book, but this is why we need this inspiration. Yeah, that's the whole one. This one message told 108 different ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be yourself. To be yourself. Because you have gifts and, and you're the only person that came into this life at mm -hmm. this time to share the gifts in the way that you can share them. Miles mm -hmm. Davis says in your book, anybody can play. Yeah. The note is only 20%. The attitude, attitude of the of motherfucker, motherfucker who plays it is 80%. <laughs> your attitude, yeah. You know, so that's your, even if someone has done what, even if someone made a documentary about healing, like mm -hmm. myself, and you watch it and you're inspired, and you're inspired to make another documentary about healing in your way, mm -hmm. do it. Do it. That's your purpose. 100%. And, and it's going to be different than mine, and it could affect, you know, different people or more people or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And look, if you don't have the courage to take the leap of faith, that's fine, I get it. Maybe it takes you a little longer, but don't stand in somebody else's way. If they have something that they feel called to do, don't start telling them how you know, it's hard and it's challenging. We get it, everything is life is hard, right? Yeah. Let them have their own experience. Let them fall down, let them make mistakes because that's how everybody learns. Mm. No one has done anything of note without having the experience be riddled with mistakes. And from every single one of those mistakes, you learn how to do it better and better the next time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's a dose in there about just not being that kind of friend where you, your knee-jerk reaction when your friend, when your other friend announces what they want to do in life that doesn't fit into the conventional model of success, don't say, oh, you've gone too far or, you know, these kind of common rebuttals where you're trying to, and you may mean well, because you don't want them to be hurt or have, you know, 
expectations that aren't going to be met. But that's usually how it starts is you announce something and then everybody tells you you've gone too far or, you know, you're not thinking this through all the way and all that's those are the embers of inspiration that you're snuffing out right there. So don't do that to other people. And as a result, you'll start to feel more empowered when you have those those uh, embers of inspiration. And that's 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 your gateway to your path. Yes. Oh my gosh, there's so much I want to talk about. There's one along those same lines. You have a page, a dose dedicated to the teachers. So you teach people how to treat you mm-hmm. and you go through oh, the yeah. list. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so good because there's, there's things like teachable moments. I think this is such a good thing to remind people of along those same lines sure. of like projecting your fear onto someone else. Mm-hmm. We are always teaching others how to treat us. If we are easily reactive, we teach others to sugarcoat their truth, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Like in my relationship, I want my partner to tell me everything. Mm-hmm. But then if I you get upset, like <laughs> if I don't like what he's telling me and I react, he's going to be less likely he's to share everything. So it's, he's going to edit. So it's like to be mindful. This is, is life-changing. If we are impartial, we teach people that it's safe to be open and honest with us. So mm-hmm. again, like you're saying, like, oh, just... Be open to whatever your friend or your loved one is wanting to explore. If we routinely gossip about our friends or our enemies, we teach others to question our loyalty. Mm-hmm. If we refuse to spread rumors, we teach people to trust that we will stand up for them too. Mm-hmm. If we are reluctant to take responsibility, we teach others to be wary of us playing the victim. If we own our experience, we teach people to trust that we can shoulder responsibility. If we consistently overgive, we teach others to take us for granted. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But if we give thoughtfully and in accordance to need, we teach people to appreciate our efforts. Mm -hmm. If we are perpetually late, we teach others not to depend on us. If we are punctual, we teach people to respect our time. Every interaction is a teachable moment. What lessons will you teach today? It's so true. Those are some hard truths. Hard truths, but it's so <laughs> but it's true. So true. <laughs> yeah. So start to, you know, again, do unto others. Yeah. And again, like I write that from a, a place of experience, right? It's like I'm, a, I'm not like perfect. I still overgive in certain ways, but you know, you really start to see, you connect the dots, you start to see, oh, okay, that's this drama that I'm experiencing in my life is really not that person's they're just reacting to what i'm teaching them yes how to treat me right and so now i could be more mindful about that and i really do feel like life in general is just it's a it's a classroom you know yes. where you're you're just learning these lessons and you're you're refining it's a it's a process of refinement more so than a i graduated from that lesson. Mm-hmm. No, you you didn't graduate. It's just now it's operating on an even higher level. Yeah. Right. So um, so it's something that we all need. And I, I need to read that often as much as anyone else. Exactly. It's I love I love the analogy of, of classroom and going through life. And we're we're so hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We feel like, you know, if you're we have these unreal expectations of ourselves, like if I'm a wellness quote unquote air quote you know, influencer, Mm -hmm. but then I go and like drink too much on my birthday and I'm hung over the next day. Like I feel like a fraud, you know, or if I am a vegan and I like sneak a piece of goat cheese or whatever it is, you know, you just have these unreal expectations of, 
and pressures that we put on ourselves. And if you look at the life as a classroom, it's like sometimes you, you know, you're going to go up levels and get deeper, you know, more degrees, the more Mm -hmm. you go and you can't beat yourself up for not knowing you're in kindergarten. You don't, you're not in grad school Mm -hmm. in certain areas of your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, we both kind of wrote the same thing this new year's Eve. Uh, You wrote that too? I wrote, I posted the similar thing. I'm like, everybody is so excited that, you know, especially this past year, like 2020 sucked because Mm. of politics or COVID or whatever. And they were so excited for 2021. I'm like, but COVID politics, it's all going to still (laughs) be there on January 1st, you know? So it's all about just this growth evolution process and 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 learning the lessons. Owning your own experience, you know, even if it's external, like owning that, like, okay, what am I doing to contribute to that? Or what am I doing to help heal that? Mm -hmm. There's always something that we can do. Yes. So 2018, you've been Mm -hmm. this mobile lifestyle and right now you're living in Mexico City. Living in Mexico City out of a backpack. Out of a backpack. Like what is this, what is your knowing telling you now? Like, what is your next step? What do you... You know, what's interesting is I'm, I'm, I, it's become a lifestyle, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I'm always experimenting. I'm like a scientist with my own self. Like, let me see what it's like. Like, I've been drinking coffee for three years. I literally started drinking coffee when I was like 41 or something like that. I just started drinking coffee, right? I never drank coffee my entire life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, why am I drinking all this coffee? Like, what does it even do for me, right? So then <clears throat> I just cycled off of it recently in the last couple months and just having that experiment. And, you know, always kind of playing with my diet, always playing with like, what happens if I drink less green tea, more green tea? What happens if I exercise in my shower? Like, what is that experience <laughs> like? <laughs> and That's the next book. Yeah, well, actually that is gonna be a part of the next book. The next <laughs> book is gonna be a minimalism, like spiritual principles of minimalism. But yeah, so I'm always trying out things. So I, I'm definitely not the person that waits until New Year's Eve to start a new thing. Like I'm always yeah. trying out things. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of, a, a, you know, just in the moment with the whole thing. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to go happen beyond my current apartment situation in Mexico City until the end of this month, till May. And then I don't know what's going to happen after that. I may stay there longer. I may change it up. It really depends too on what's happening in the world, you know? And I think that's one of the great things that came out of the pandemic is that we all kind of were forced to, to live with more uncertainty, which is how the world is anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's easier to mask if we're in our more of our routine, but it's actually quite uncertain. And we also got to see that nobody's in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people want to think that they know what they're talking about, but then there's another side that will expose that they really don't know what they're talking mm-hmm. about. So you really have to own your own experience. You yes. have to take responsibility for your own health, for your own wellness, and do whatever you have to do in order to feel like you can, you know, progress and move forward and ultimately be of service to other people. Oh my God, this is so good. It's it it the nature of life is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So to learn, I mean, you're you've learned you're learning to become okay with not knowing what's next. Mm. Such a powerful way. The pandemic exposed that there is n- nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knew. Nobody knows, and nobody knew. It did bring us back to okay. I have to 
turn off the news and tap into my own inner knowing, whether it's about getting the vaccine, not getting the vaccine, whether it's about masks, no masks, masks, no, you know, like researching, not research. And I don't think it's, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't, they're still looking externally for those answers. But for me, it's like, I have to tune back into myself and my knowing because it's clear that nobody (laughs) knows what's best for me, except for that that soul guidance, that inner GPS. Yeah, I'm sure you remember this one dose I sent out. It was about those Tibetan monks who form those, they create those those mandalas, mm-hmm. those geometrical shapes with the little sand. Sand. And they spend days and days and days on these elaborate designs. And then right at the end, when they put the last little grain of sand there and it's so beautiful, they wipe it all away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's really the process of creation. It's not about attaining some external you know, beauty, the beauty is inside during the creative process. And that's really what we have to adopt more of in life in general. It's, you know, you work at your job, you raise your family, you have your garden, you have your things that you do, exercise. It's about the process. Uh, And the moment it changes, because it's all changing, we want to adopt the attitude of those months, like of impermanence, like this is a part of the nature of life. And our ability to be relaxed and to trust in whatever's happening now is going to be linked to our, the extent to which we can feel okay with that impermanence. If we are not okay with it, we're going to have a very rough transition yes. when, the thing, when the thing changes. If we are okay with it, then we may be able to be in a space of gratitude or to see another opportunity of what, you know, remember that, I don't know if you remember the video game uh, Frogger uh-huh. when we were kids. The frog would leap from log to log. Yeah, that's what's happening, you know, in life. It's like opportunities are all around us, mm-hmm. but if we're not paying attention, then we're not going to be able to leap from one to the next to the next when the thing changes. Yes, and so that's always the opportunity during the transition point is where's the next um, leap of faith going to take me? And you have to be present. You have to be available. You have to be looking. You have to be gra- grateful what you have and that will give you the richest information of where to go next mm-hmm. otherwise you may end up retreating or contracting to what you what happened in the past thinking that's where your happiness is but that's just a recipe for um, kind of caging yourself in this old view of life and you know it just doesn't feel good because then you want to control everything mm-hmm. um, so that it doesn't change which, yes. which control is opposed to evolution, as my teacher says. I love it. And also that the other pandemic, all the distractions were stripped from us and we were mm-hmm. locked down and had to sit with ourselves and our and our routines and our habits were and taken away paper. from us. And our toilet paper. Why do I have all this toilet paper? <laughs> which is, which is so... I get to sit with that question. Why do I feel the need to have all this toilet paper? Exactly. It's crazy. I haven't had any smooth move. Um, so i just think you're such a shining example of of breaking routine and habit and going through this you know you kind of force yourself into change and discipline and commitment which is so uncomfortable sometimes Mm -hmm. and we all got so very comfortable in our routines and habits and sleepwalking Mm -hmm. that the pandemic you know global pandemic like woke us all up with a big slap across the head and oh my gosh and the social justice pandemic and all of that things have been going on Mm -hmm. and now we're in a place where 
a lot of the distractions are showing him. So we have to you have to deal we, with it. We have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. You know, it's like if you have a you discover you have a rat infestation in your kid's room, you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't ignore that. You can't have rats running around in a little baby crib and all that. You, know, yeah. you got to deal with it. it. As uncomfortable as it is, which is a great thing. It's a because great thing. the moment you start dealing with it is the moment you can start to change whatever that reality was into something that's a little bit more in alignment with whatever you want to create for yourself. And that's what people need to remember is that the creative energy resides within you. Whatever you can imagine, whatever you can dream about, whatever you can envision for yourself, you can create it. It won't happen overnight, but you can still take one step. Exactly. And as far as social justice, you know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was dealing with it, and we've, we're still dealing with the same problems we had before. But I, I think that so much progress is, I think you talk about it in your book, like so much progress yeah. has been made. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. It's like when you're in it, you can't see it, but it's right. like we all have to continue. Yeah, I was on a, a walking tour through East London, and it was the Jack the Ripper yes, tour. Yes, yes, yes. This story. <laughs> So we were going through East London to through the streets and he, the tour guide was pointing out all the old tenements that used to be there and how the conditions were so just crazy. Everyone had STDs. Everyone was alcoholic. There were 75% of women were prostitutes, even though they were mothers and wives and things, but that's the only way they could make money. And there was no plumbing. So people would just use the bathroom in a bucket and dump it out on the streets. So excrement was all over the streets. The kids were playing barefoot. And coming in, most kids were dying of typhoid fever before the age of five and just crazy, crazy, crazy conditions. Yeah. And so it just kind of reminded me of how far we've come as a society. And even though we still have all of our problems and things that need to be solved, you know, we've still come a long way. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so it's just a comparison to how, you know, we, we, we have obviously this kind of, you know, very high ideal of what a perfect society would look like. And we're very far away from that, but we, we are a lot further away from where we've come from. And, mm-hmm. and people in those times probably had the same thought of, you know, we've come a long way since the old days where we were only, you know, where we didn't have a bucket to go to the bathroom in. We'd have to yeah. like just, <laughs> I know. you know. So yeah, it's just perspective, just perspective shifting. And, um, and it's not to absolve anyone from doing anything, solving anything. It's just to remind us that, hey, look, it's the little baby steps that matter. It's yeah. not some big wave of progress. It's just little baby steps. We can all we can do that every single day. Yeah. And I think every generation has a responsibility mm-hmm. to keep going forward and making improvements. And it starts with tapping into that inner knowing of what's right or wrong. You have the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. who says, if someone asked him, and you could you could speak to this better, but someone asked him if he thought that the yeah. Montgomery bus bus boycott, boycott would be would, successful. Yeah, and what and did he, he say? Uh, he said something to the effect of, "It's not for me to say, and it's not for you to analyze. to analyze whether or not it's successful. My obligation is to do what I feel called to do inside, to do the right thing, and the rest of it is in God's hands." Yes. Which is, again, something we could all adopt because we all have that. We all are grappling on some level with, you know, a choice where we're choosing between what we may think is the right thing or the safe thing. Yeah. And um, 
or the thing that makes us fit in more with society. And you know, that to me says always choose the right thing. Whatever your heart says is the right thing, no yeah. matter if it's the popular thing or unpopular thing. And you know, that's something that, again we can all be reminded of as many times. Totally. So the book is kind of made again, you know, just these little tiny little, you know, it takes you 30 seconds to read that, but those 30 seconds could really shift your entire perspective for that day mm-hmm. and, and whatever you act upon that day could shift your entire life. And I truly believe the universe is conspiring for us and, and nudging us in the direction of our unfoldment and yes. our gifts and sharing our gifts. So in that vein, you know, it, the intelligence is so intelligent that mm-hmm. connects us all, that keeps the planets revolving around the sun and the intelligence of nature. And so I have to trust that you are going to pick up the book with a question in your soul or mm-hmm. something that's going to happen in, in your day that this, that like a quote will be, or a, a dose will be prepare you for. And mm-hmm. I see that over and over again with how my life has unfolded. You obviously operate with that kind of trust. Mm-hmm. So thank you for giving us kind of an, a tool that can shift. Thanks for spreading the word. I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I've had I've gotten a lot of wonderful support from people, um, and you know, like I said, you've been one of the longtime supporters of my work, of my teaching, and so I'm very grateful to to still be in touch with you and to be able to call you a friend. Yeah, I'm a longtime doser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Light. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday to hear more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. Follow us on Instagram for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at at Heal Documentary and at Kelly Gorris. Take care and be well. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.